Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. For the last five or six weeks, we've been talking about this thing about how do you contend for the promise that God has on your life? Does anybody here have some promises on your life? Anybody have some promises you gave up on? If you've lived very long, you do, right? I I will tell you this. It's not the promise of God if you think you can do it. No, really. It's just a hopeful wish and a dream. But if it's a promise of God, it's impossible. And But one of the things that I've noticed, if it truly is a promise of God, it's going to be multi-generational. It's not going to be about you. The sad thing is, as much as we, I love David, do you know David, he set Solomon up so well with everything except one thing. What did he not give Solomon? A father. He didn't father Solomon. And the evidence is pretty shocking, isn't it? He didn't father him. He gave him everything except a father. He did not sow to the next generation. He lived in the present generation. And that's why when he died, it ended. But do you want to know something? There is someone in the Old Testament who is a shining example of what it means to live for a future and a destiny, a, uh, a destiny that's yet to come. Because if you have a calling on God on your life, if you have a promise, I have in horribly bad news. It's going to take time. Okay, so here, here's my question. Let's just be real. Can we be real for a second? Who, how long can you stay the course for a promise with no fulfillment? One week? A year. A year. Dude, you, mm, you are awesome. Any, who, who, who are my year people? Well, week, three minutes. Okay, all right, let's just put it real. I want to lose weight. <laughs> Who here has done a, uh, a, a diet that lasted less than a day? Yeah, right? For the promise set before me, I will endure the cross. <laughs> but not the refrigerator, right? There's something about it. If it is truly a value, it will take time. You guys remember the parable of the soils, right? There was one seed. It had no root, so it sprung up quickly, but also equally quickly withered. But the, th- the fruit that remains will grow up slowly and takes a long time. But we are, uh, we're microwave people, aren't we? So... Come on, we like that popcorn. And, we like, and anybody here tried to speed up the popcorn and then burned it? But anyway, that's another issue. <laughs> what I want to talk today is about Daniel. Daniel is one of my heroes. He, we've got so much information about it. But the best part is he finished well. Anybody want to finish well? Yeah. Anybody want to live out a destiny that goes to many generations? His destiny went all the way to Jesus and beyond. He so successfully stewarded the promise of God that it went all the way there. So we're going to dive in. All right, you guys ready? All right, here's the deal. Uh, Just to give you some context, 
Daniel was born during the last good moment in the history of Judah and Israel. There was the King Josiah. Uh, if you guys, uh, King Josiah, when he was, he was on, his dad and granddad were some of the most wicked people that ever walked the earth. What they were known for was injustice, abuse, Killing of the innocents is what it says over and over again in all of its means. Just horrific. Manasseh, his granddaddy, ruled for 55 years. His daddy was killed when he was just 24. He was so wicked by his own people. And Josiah was made king when he was eight. Anybody feel like you're set up to fail? I don't know about you. If I was made king at eight, it's not going to go well. But, but, 18 years into his reign when he was 26... He suddenly had an understanding. We need to rebuild the temple. How bad was it? They had actually lost the Bible. They didn't even have a Bible. The temple was in ruins. They had worshipped so many other gods. Everything was so bad. They didn't even have a Bible. Anybody here come from a family that's so bad? Guess what? I got good news for you. It ain't that bad. This is great. And in this place, a revival starts. And this is so incredible. This revival starts... And uh, this revival, and two years later, a little baby boy was born named Daniel. Born right in the middle of massive revival. But do you know one thing Josiah didn't do? The same thing David didn't do. He didn't raise up a son. He didn't father. He didn't look to another generation. And he was killed in battle. And when Daniel was just 11, his world crashing down around him. And in that place... At the age of 15, Israel, Jerusalem falls for the first time, and Daniel is taken into exile. Did Daniel do anything to be taken into exile? No. There are things that have happened in your life you had no part in. You are just reaping what other generations did. And you'll either allow that to be an excuse for why you don't have a destiny, or it will be the springboard for your destiny. There's no in-between. So Daniel is taken on a 1,000-mile one-way trip to Babylon. And he is put into the school of Hogwarts. It's literally, it's a school of sorcery. You think your high school is bad. You think they're trying to pervert you. Listen, they were overt. It was, they were teaching them sorcery. Man, do you think you're going to score well on that test? I don't know. But anyway, Daniel's doing there, and it would be so easy at that point to check out, wouldn't it? Nobody? Anybody got a boss, and you're like, they're so evil? I'm, I'm done with this. <laughs> you, is, okay, you know who Daniel's boss was? The guy who ransacked his city and took him in, into slavery into Babylon and most likely castrated him. You think you have a bad boss now? Anybody know that we give ourselves exclusions? Sorry. Get out of jail free card. But anyway, so here he is. And if I, I mean, I would be done. But you know what? You know what Daniel's saving grace was? He had three brothers. Three guys. Daniel's name. Daniel. And then he had three friends. Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Do you know what? And Daniel. So do you know what Daniel means? God is my judge. He is the one who's going to fight for me. Uh, Mishael means God. Let me, I, I get these all confused, but one of them means God, I, God's favor. 
Another means uh, God, uh, um, there's no one like God. And another is God fights for me. Do you think these four guys felt that's what they're, as they were dragged into slavery in Egypt? The words over their life, the destiny over their life was absolutely counter to all the evidence. But they had each other and they stayed the course. If you're going to press into your destiny and press in for the promises of God on your life, you will never do it alone. You will never do it alone. You will have to do it with brothers and sisters who know your name. Because immediately, what's the first thing the Babylonians did? They changed their name. Yeah, you're not God's favorite. You're dedicated to the moon goddess. Okay. Right? Every single one of them got a new name. But you need people who know your real name. So then, the next layer of this is what? The next thing is, they're going through school. Anybody have a pop exam? in? Oh, sorry. So, so if they have gone on this thousand mile trip and it's bad, but guess what? It has some perks. Anybody here stopped for the perks? Nobody? Nobody? You, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, I deserve a little something. I deserve a break. I should give myself a bonus. And they are, there they are being offered the best food and everything. And Daniel says this amazing, amazing verse in chapter 1 of Daniel. He says this. He says, but Daniel defi- resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine. Now, I don't see a problem. Listen, if they're doing five-star entertainment and food, I'm all in. Anybody here, something doesn't sit right with you, but you can't quite figure it out, so you just go with it? Listen to your conscience. Listen to your conscience, because Daniel is taking the first step test in whether he will be absorbed by the culture or he will remake the culture. See, in fact, this is the thing that every move of God has fallen on. It has either fallen on either becoming like the culture or reacting to the culture. But Daniel remakes the culture. He sits there and he says, now God had caused, uh, and so what Daniel and the guys did is God, they they said, we're not going to eat this stuff. Now, we don't know why. Part of it is because it was offered to pagan gods. Part of it, honestly, anybody here, you start indulging your flesh and you get what? You get sick? What happens when you start to indulge your flesh? Not you. Huh? You become a glutton? Anybody get sleepy? Not just physically sleepy, but mentally sleepy. When we start to live for our own passions and for our own comfort, we quit caring about purpose, destiny. And there's a reason why God will say, Anybody here had God tell you not to do something or to or stop eat doing something that and it didn't make any sense to you? And you tried to justify it? You know what I'm talking about? When God says don't do it and you go, prove it, tell me why, you've already started to fail that test. Will they get to? Anyway, they so they sit there and they don't they don't eat the wine that, and actually they thrive. The, the, they, the, uh, the guy was afraid that they wouldn't do well, so they did great. So the guy said, you can do your own thing. You don't have to eat all the food and wine. Everything's great. And so they didn't, and they 
did incredibly well. And it said, verse 18, uh, verse 17, it says, to these four men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. He gave them knowledge to pass their sorcery finals. Wow. I don't even know what that, like, like, what would they do? I don't know. But listen, so many times we count God out, but God wants to help us. At the end of the time set by the king to bring him into service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, who's Nebuchadnezzar? The guy who pulled them into slavery, who destroyed their city. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. I submit they spent three years working on their hearts. Because I would not have been done very well on that final exam. Would you? <laughs> anyway. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Wow. Better than everybody. How old were they? 18. 18. 18. Why? Because they allowed God to sit, take the hard things that have been done to them and turn it into a rapid mess, mass, uh, message, uh, method of promotion. Moving on. So in the middle of this, apparently, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he start, he's on to the fact that his sorcerers and magicians are manipulating him. So he tells them, I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. But you've got to tell me the dream and what it means. Does that sound impossible? It's really fun. I, one of the things I love to get to do in our body is I get to walk with you all as you walk through promotion. And do you know what God does? Is God purposely promotes you to a place you can't stand without him. And this is the thing I hear every single time from people as they get promoted that level through. Ah, I'm set up to fail. I've been given this, this project and it's impossible. Why would they do this? They're trying to undermine me. They're trying to hurt me. But Daniel doesn't get it twisted. He says, I'll do this, king. And he, because everybody else bails, he goes straight to the front of the line and says, oh, king, I'll, I'll interpret your dream for you. And this dream, he tells him this dream. He says, your dream, the, uh, the king sees this vision of a gold, a statue with a gold head, and then it's got a, uh, it's silver, and then it's bronze, and then it's uh, iron, and then it's clay with iron. And guess what? It is a dream that correctly outlines the succession of all the empires all the way up through the Roman Empire. Clearly in detail. Now, a lot of times with prophecy, people are looking for secrets. Listen, if you will serve others, God will trust you with his secrets. But if you're just trying to get secrets, he can't trust you. But as he lays him down, as he serves them, the king, then he says, but a huge rock comes in and destroys all of those. And out of that rock becomes a mountain. It's the church. He is beginning to recognize a future and a hope, a destiny. He's calling forth Christ and the church even then. And so in this place, you see the, the king responds to him and says, he says, 
Then, um, he, uh, verse 46, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel. The king fell before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered an offering and incense be presented to him. Why is he presenting incense to him? Because he thinks he's God. He thinks he's a God. This is, I call this the test of hot and cold. Anybody had this? Where everything's really, 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 really hard and then suddenly it's really, 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 really good? What are you tempted to do when it's really, 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 really hard? Everybody rejects me. Everybody judges me. Everybody is against me. And then suddenly it's very, very good. What's the temptation? Quit. Hmm? Relax, quit. Relax, quit. Get prideful. Get prideful? Oh, yes, thank you. It's the same one he had before, remember? I'm suffering, I'm suffering. Ooh, it's good food. I deserve this. Finally, you guys came around to how awesome I am. Oh, thank you. Right? But we look at Daniel, and he, it's obvious he, holds, he, he continues on. The next test is the test his friends go through. Anybody, everybody always asks this. This is the test of, you know, uh, Nebuchadnezzar builds a huge statue of himself. And says everybody worship. He's trying to unite the empire. And I always love this. It says that Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Daniel's buddies, were hauled in to be thrown into the furnace. He goes, where was Daniel? Anybody going through a trial and you can't call that person? No? Do you know what I'm talking about? You can't call them. You try to reach them and you can't get through to them. Sometimes God will cut you off to let you go through a trial because he set you up to succeed. These guys rode on Daniel's coattails. Now they step out and they begin to walk in it. And you have this amazing moment where they're thrown into the fire. They say, oh, king, even if you, if you throw us in there, God will save us. But even if he doesn't save us, we're not going to bow. I don't know about you. It's my favorite gangster moment of, in the entirety of scripture. I mean, just throw, you know, we will not bow. And they throw him into the fire, sometimes hotter. And there they stand dancing with Jesus in the middle of the fire. If you want to meet Jesus, he's usually in the middle of the fire. Verse, and then, and then we go forward, we keep going. And again, now Daniel, there's a dream. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, another dream. But because Nebuchadnezzar trusts Daniel, he tells Daniel the dream. Now, guys, this is an amazing test. And it's one I would submit. It's funny. I've watched so many of us. We, we will survive the hot and cold. We'll survive the, the difficult. We'll survive all these, you know, being tested by praise of men and tested by this, that, and the other. But we come up to this moment, and I've watched so many of us back away. Listen to what happens. When Daniel hears the dream of this huge tree being chopped down, when, then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed, troubled, really, and his thoughts terrified him because of the dream. So the king said, Belshazzar, don't let the dream or its meaning alarm you. And what does Daniel, Belshazzar, say? My Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. See, this is a dream of judgment on the king of Nebuchadnezzar. Because this king, has, decided, has he's the king of the whole world. I'm amazing. I'm incredible. I'm awesome. 
This is the man who oversaw his castration. This is the man who oversaw his enslavement. This is the man who oversaw the destruction of his own city and possibly the death of his family. And he goes, oh, king, were it not about anybody. How do you get to that place with your heart? How do you get to your place where you can serve and love and care and believe for the best of other people? I have a question. Is anybody too messed up to save? We say that, but we put a big old freaking asterisk next to it, don't we? We have people in our life we've already surrendered over to the devil. We're like, take them, take them. Home delivery. Right? They're never going to change. That's how who they are. Daniel serve Nebuchadnezzar. He has, if God has entrusted Nebuchadnezzar to Daniel, Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar thinks he owns Daniel. Daniel realizes Nebuchadnezzar has been entrusted to him. Are there people in our lives God has entrusted us with? Daniel cries out. I heard this amazing phrase. God, many times people are crying out for God to judge bad people. Right? Or not? But let me say this. I've said this before. If you look at the meaning of justice in the Hebrew, justice is not make them pay. I've, right? Justice is to return a thing to what it was originally intended for. What was God's original intent for Nebuchadnezzar, do you think? To be a horrific person who murders and kills and destroys? Or to be a king who brings righteousness and hope and peace? I contend that Daniel had pressed in to hear God's heart for Nebuchadnezzar because otherwise he couldn't have been there with that heart. But actually, the thing, I love this, I don't believe God can judge, bring the judgment upon people. Judgment is where people receive the the penalty for what they've done. Now, not completely, right? Because the penalty of sin is death. But they get what they've been paying so that they can experience, they can get a chance to do what? Repent. Anybody walking through something with somebody who's addicted? Judgment is that they have a taste of what they've chosen. Not the fullness. So they may come to their senses and repent. And in this moment, I believe God cannot release judgment into people's life if there isn't someone there to contend for their breakthrough. But Daniel's contending for him and the evidence of it, he said, oh king, oh king, this is, you're going to lose your mind. You're going to eat grass like an ox. But I pray that you may be restored. And in fact, this is exactly what happens. And it happens within the year. He's standing up on his palace and he goes, I am awesome. I am amazing. I must be a god. Doink. He loses his marbles. Why? Because he believes he's all that in a bag of chips. He believes in himself. He is everything. And God said, I can't leave you there. I, and in that moment, because of Daniel's intervention, I believe, he goes through this process and he comes out on the other side and there's this amazing declaration. The greatest king in the entire world makes this amazing declaration. If we can move to that verse... 
He says this, verse 36 of chapter 4. He says, at that time, uh, Nebuchadnezzar said, my sanity was restored. He sent this letter throughout the entire uh, world. My honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and I became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Daniel went from being the absolute least to fundamentally changing the world. That's a good day. I'd check out right there. Anybody think that would be a good place to check out? But that's not the call of God on Daniel's life. And Daniel's tested next. You know what his next test is? Very shortly after this, Nebuchadnezzar dies. And a whole series of kings rise up who have no place for Daniel. You know why? Because Daniel's a man of righteousness and they ain't. Anybody here, you're a person of righteousness and therefore people don't have a value for you? If you're not careful in that place, you will grow hard and your heart will become bitter and you will no longer seek to serve, but simply to judge others. And, but Daniel survives this. And the evidence of this is at the very end of the Babylonian Empire, the, the son of Nabonidus, the last king, whose who's, his co-regent is Bel, um, uh, Belshazzar, he, he has this feast right as the Persians are invading and there, there's God shows up, writes with a hand on a wall this word, and nobody can interpret it. And it go, hey, I know a guy who can interpret it. And Daniel is ready in a moment. You don't know when your moment's going to come. You might be feel like you've been sent out to pasture. You may feel like it's over. You might have shrunk your destiny down to what's manageable. But God is not done with you. Moses was 80 when he received the call. Okay, I'm going to say something. (laughs) Retirement is of the devil. And here's why. You're not meant to just live. You're meant to live on purpose. You're meant to live with purpose. And when you don't, you die. Each of us have calling and purpose. It's not the size of it, but it's simply the yes. What do you have for me? That's why Moses' strength never failed all the way up to 120 because he was living on purpose. He had a call and a purpose. So what happens is when we check out, we, we dumb down our dreams. I guess it's never going to happen. Who gets to make the dreams happen in your life? God. We get a partner with him, but it's up to him. Who says it's too late? Who says it? If I'm Daniel, I've been out, put out to pasture for 20 years at this point. Nobody wants me. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll just eat worms. Right? And in this place, he still is ready at a moment's notice when they call him up to war for righteousness with the king. And the king goes, listen, we'll give you everything. Everything. Anything you want. Just interpret this. And, and Daniel said, keep your stuff. I already passed that test. You can't bribe me, but I'm going to tell you, you've been weighed in the balance and found lacking, and tonight you will lose the kingdom. And the guy goes, well, give him all the stuff, and Daniel's like, I'm good. And that night, the kingdom falls, and do you know, everybody got sacked except Daniel. Daniel's the only one walking right in is Cyrus the Persian 
sets Darius as his regent over uh, Babylon. And, and Darius immediately, where, who does he hire? Daniel. How old is Daniel at this point? He's in his 80s. All right. Yep, in his 80s. I had to do all this mapping just to keep it all straight. And there he is. He gets hired. And the evidence that he hasn't wasted his 20 years is the first thing he does is set up a system of government called satrapy that existed for over 2,500 years. A system of government that's so effective at managing really messed up people <laughs> that it still it existed for 2,500 years. Amazing system. Why? Because those 20 years were not wasted. The minute we turn our wasted years to God, he will transform them into something. Now you might say, I've just been on the backside of the desert with a bunch of sheep biting my ankles. Okay, Moses, you're ready. The minute we surrender our empty years, he can begin to bring them into promise. And there he is, and he goes, okay. Because his destiny isn't even now being fulfilled. Even though all the world is being blessed by the righteous government that Daniel brings forth. That's not his calling. Listen, don't dumb your calling down to your success. Because what's his calling? There's this amazing moment. He continues to have dreams and visions. You know the amazing thing about his dreams and his visions? None of them get fulfilled over, they only get fulfilled over the course of four or 500 years. Because it's not about him. Your destiny is not about you. Verse 1 of chapter 9. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. This is this passage over in Jeremiah chapter 25 where Jeremiah is saying, guys, if you keep sinning, you will be destroyed. For a hundred years, God's like, don't do that, don't do that. From the point of Hezekiah on, it was like, don't do that, don't do that. But they continued to do this. Guys, do you know why Jerusalem was destroyed? It was not destroyed because God was ticked off. It was because, it says over and over again in Isaiah, injustice, abuse of the poor, and the killing of the innocents. He did it because they couldn't be trusted to care for people. They were using their power for destruction. Anyway, and, but the minute they left, God was always saying, you're, you're coming back. And some of you, you might be in your exile, not because you're a man or woman or righteousness, but because you checked out, because you, you bailed, whatever. But it doesn't matter. God can call you back. And so the great thing about this is, is Daniel's whole life has been living for a future, for a future and suddenly he realizes, hey, that could be today. Now, I said this uh, last week with Esther. The interesting thing about that 70 years is the fall of Jerusalem was in 586. This is now 536. How many years is that? 50. Well, wait, wait, wait. It's not 50 years. When did Daniel go into exile? 605. 
It's been 70 years. He's been in exile. Daniel brings God's promise 20 years early. By Listen. Daniel brings it in. A promise he will never see. Because, because of him, 50,000 Jews go back. The first time in the entire history of the world, for over 2,000 years, they had been exporting people. They would invade a country. They'd export the people to somewhere else. And nobody ever came back. This was the first time in history anybody came back. And they came back. And because Daniel said, it's not about me. It's not about me being awesome. It's not even me being a ruler of righteousness. It's not even me, all these good things. Because he had a calling on his life for a city he hadn't seen in 70 years. And because of him, they go back. And there's this incredible thing that happens. You are made to live for purpose and for a promise. And it's not about you and me. It's about so much more. When we make it about us, we will never walk in the promise God has for us. So I just showed you a huge arc of Daniel's story. The amazing thing about Daniel is Daniel walked this out for 75 years successfully. I'm sure he stumbled. Praise God they didn't record it. Or maybe not. I don't know. But the reality is he walked it all the way out. You have a promise on your life. You have a call on your life. You're not, you might be sitting there going, I don't even know what it is. Well, guess what? He made you with a promise. Why? Because there, God formed you in your mother's womb saying, the world needs who you are and what you carry. The world needs you. You might say, well, I blew the wad and I wasted 60, 70, 80, 90 years. It doesn't matter. The minute we say yes to God, God begins to take all the wasted years and begin to move them, put them together to build a future for you, to walk in destiny and lay down your life and be a blessing for others. Let's just close our eyes. Father, I ask right now that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, you are not done with any of us. You have a calling on the lives of each and every one of us. And it's not for our own pleasure. It's not for our own purposes. It's not for our own kingdom. Lord, but Lord, each of us is being tested in, our, in the promise right now. Maybe it's being tested not knowing what the prom promise is. Maybe it's, not, it's being tested by success. Maybe it's being tested by failure. Maybe it's being tested by being looked over and kicked out to pasture. Maybe it's being tested by too many years. Maybe it's being tested by people being against you and throwing you into the lion's dens. Lord, whatever it is, God, you are for us. And if you are for us, who can be against us? God, we ask right now, you would speak over our destiny, speak over our purpose, and give us the strength and the courage to run and not grow weary, to walk and not grow faint, but rather as we wait upon you that we will rise up with wings like eagles and soar. For more information, go to arisenlife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.